Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Our passage today comes from James 1.19-27. Listen for what God is saying to you. Know this, my dear brothers and sisters. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to grow angry. This is because an angry person does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, with humility, set aside all moral filth and the growth of wickedness, and welcome the word planted deep inside you, the very word that is able to save you. You must be doers of the word and not only hearers who mislead themselves. Those who hear but don't do the word are like those who look at their faces in a mirror. They look at themselves, walk away, and immediately forget what they were like. But there are those who study the perfect law the law of freedom, and continue to do it. They don't listen and then forget, but they put it into practice in their lives. They will be blessed in whatever they do. If those who claim devotion to God don't control what they say, they mislead themselves. Their devotion is worthless. True devotion, the kind that is pure and faultless before God the Father, is this, to care for orphans and widows in their difficulties and to keep the world from contaminating us. May God bless it. May God add a blessing to the understanding and living out of the scripture. My name is Diamond Pate, and I'm the student pastor here, and it's really excited to be with you. And it was exciting to not have to do all the intro welcoming stuff this morning. <laughs> I got to see Emily do it today and take some notes. Um, <laughs> um, so say uh, earlier this week, one of my friends asked me if we're supposed to pray before you do a sermon, and I was like, some people do, but I don't, and I feel like I should. Um, so let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Amen. Short and sweet. <laughs> so this is the season of Lent, as most of you should know by now, I'd hope. Um, this is a time of reflection and reorienting ourselves to God as we prepare for the adventures of Holy Week, which were the last days of Jesus' life, the days that led to his death, but also to the resurrection and to our salvation. So as we have been preparing for this time, we've been looking at prayer, or more specifically, different ways to pray, or different structures of a prayer, and what does that mean for our lives? So first we started with who. Who do we pray to? Whose power are we calling upon when we pray? So it's not just saying, I'm praying to God, but I am calling on the God of light, on the God of wonder, the God of mystery, the Holy Spirit of Jesus, the teacher and the guide. Who are we calling to come to us? Next, we went to remembrance, or we acknowledge what did God do? What has God done with the power that we have chosen to call upon? What does scripture say? And how does this long narrative of God connect to us and our lives here? 
Last Sunday, we talked about petition, or what are we asking of God? What are the things in our lives that we need God's help with? Pastor Emily talked about, ask and you will receive, knock and the door shall be opened, but sometimes not in the way we expect, which connects perfectly to the subject of today, the aspiration, or what I like to call the so what. We are asking God to do these things, and we believe that God has the power to do it, but what is our end game? Why do we want God to do these things? What kind of world do we want to create? So I want to start by asking you all a question. And I know we have a daylight saving time slowness this morning, but this isn't rhetorical. The question is, what does a perfect world look like? When you think about heaven, what are the characteristics you imagine? You can just shout it out popcorn style. Everyone respects each other? Laughter. Warm and sick free. Seeing and yeah. Finger snapping because I can't do either. Food. Mutuality, freedom, justice. Ooh, <laughs> no more internet trolling. <laughs> no more clickbait. <laughs> These are all really beautiful worlds that we're creating. I, for me, I like to think of the phrase "the beloved community." It's one that was popularized by Reverend Dr. Luther King. Junior. He didn't create the phrase, but he made it what we think of it today. For Dr. King, the beloved community wasn't a far away utopian goal, but it was something that was tangible, something that was realistic, something that we can do here and now. According to the King Center, a memorial and nonprofit established by Mrs. Coretta Scott King down in Atlanta, they said, in the beloved community, Poverty, hunger, and homelessness will not be tolerated because international standards of human decency will not allow it. Racism in all forms of discrimination, bigotry, and prejudice will be replaced by an all-inclusive spirit of sisterhood and brotherhood. Love and trust will triumph over fear and hatred. Peace with justice will prevail over war and military conflict. Love and trust will triumph. And King describes this powerful love as agape love, so not one of romance or between friends, but one that is for everyone, one that is understanding, redeeming, goodwill for all. An overwhelming love which is purely spontaneous, unmotivated, groundless, and creative, the love of God operating in the human heart. Agape is love seeking to preserve and create community. It is creating wholeness in community for community's sake, because we have the love of God in our hearts, which means 
we are required to act, to take part in this beautiful God-ordained community. The author of the scripture that we read today understood this as well. The author was interested in the details of human nature. He observed how God, how people treated each other. And in the section before this passage we read today, the author described God's goodness as a gift. And because we have received this gift, we must also be good and spread that goodness to others. This is why the author urges us to be so careful with our words. You see, they understood how much harm can be caused by the human tongue, how we have a tendency to hurt one another and to speak without thinking. In verse 19, it says, Know this, my dear brothers and sisters, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to grow angry, because an angry person doesn't produce God's righteousness. Don't be so quick to lash out at someone in anger. Now, here at Urban Village Church, we are a justice-seeking and loving community. We are not afraid to speak out against injustice, so please do not misinterpret me. I'm not saying that we should not react with anger to the evil of this world, because there are definitely some really horrible things in this world that demand our anger and demand our loud voices. When we speak in anger against the injustices of the world, this is not human anger, but fueled by God's righteousness and call for us to fight for our neighbor's rights, to partake in God's call for justice. So hear this passage this way. Be aware of what you say to one another, how you treat one another, because it's through human relationship that the love of God is spread. That is our mission. The author then begins to critique those who have lost sight of that vision. They are described as people who look at themselves in the mirror, turn away, and instantly forget who they are. They are the type of people who love to use words, who may know the law of religion perfectly, but refuse to act. You see, the author explains that faith without works or action just isn't enough. Don't tell my seminary professors, but I really love the way the message paraphrases this verse. Don't fool yourselves into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but. You're letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. See, it's much more powerful that way. And that's what I'm talking about today. Prayer requires action. It requires casting a vision with God and working towards that vision. The author of James describes their vision in verse 27. Again, using the message, rural religion, the kind that passes muster before God, is this. Reach out to the homeless and the loveless in their plight and guard against corruption from this godless world. That is what the hearers of God aspire to do, to reach out to the homeless and the loveless in their plight. When you pray, pray for a better world for them. 
Don't just ask for their needs to be met in some vague way, but describe what that better world would look like. Detail the ways God can put action into your prayer and the ways that you can help. For the author, this is what their beloved community looked like. Anything else, faith without works, is considered worthless, barren, and dead. So you got the super Methodist geek preacher today? So I can't help but talk about John Wesley when I talk about putting faith into action. For those who haven't taken starting point yet, John Wesley is the founder of the Methodist movement. The basis of the movement, which is now the church, is committing to works of piety and works of mercy. Or as I like to remember it, love of God and love of neighbor. Wesley believed that faith and good works were tied together because of God's love. God so loved us, we got to experience and learn everything we did from Jesus. And in return, we respond to that love by reaching out and caring for others. Works of piety are those spiritual practices we engage in to connect to God, like prayer and worship. And works of mercy are the ways we help our neighbors. As Wesley, as the author of James, and many others have already said, we need both of these to achieve wholeness to fully live into the world that God wants us to live in. So what does all of this have to do with prayer? When we pray for intercession, for what God to do in someone else's life, we need to have trust that God will hear us and has the power to act. The aspiration is proving that we believe in the end result that can occur from this act. Here is an example someone may pray. Someone may ask and petition, free me from addiction, and then add an aspiration, which could start with the phrase, so that, free me from addiction so that I may better love and serve you, or help us reach out and care for the stranger so that all will be reminded that they are worthy of love. So before we go out and do works, we must speak into being what needs to be done, we must remember to set our sights on the will of God. We are called to be co-creators, which means the beloved community isn't just going to appear on its own, but God is inviting us into that work. And before our human egos become too inflated, know that we also cannot do this work alone. We do this work with God. Henry Nouwen, a priest, theologian, influential writer and speaker, said this, Prayer is not what is done by us, but rather what is done by the Holy Spirit in us. We can't do this alone because we have already seen that it doesn't work so well when we do it on our own. We hear this every week at the communion table. God casts a vision for us, and we turned away. The prophets came and tried desperately to remind us of this vision, and we threw them away. Then Jesus came and showed us the vision and gave his life to re-invite us into that vision. And before he ascended into heaven, he gave us the Holy Spirit that is always present, always guiding, and always inspiring us to reach that vision. It is through prayer that we connect to that vision. And in the name of the power of God, 
remember the mighty work of that power and the people that saw that vision before us, that we see the things in this world that are in need of God's hand and with boldness and confidence know that it is not too much to God, for God to handle. We cry out for help and we participate in that vision casting. But it doesn't end there. We don't just cast that vision. We actively engage in the work of the Holy Spirit to reach that vision. Again, Dr. King didn't think the beloved community was a pipe dream, a good thought, but something that was achievable, something that we can be doing now. Prayer is important and powerful and helpful, but we have also seen that thoughts and prayers can't be the end all. The action needs to be accompanied with that sentiment, that our prayers aren't just something that we say to placate someone, but a promise that we make to God and to our neighbor, that relief is possible and work is necessary. So I ask again, what does heaven look like? What does our beloved community look like? And what are you going to do about it? So for a time of reflection, I want us to think about these questions, like put this into practice. I want you to develop a prayer in your mind or with a neighbor if you need to. I want you to say, practice vision casting. What are you asking about God, petition, and why are you asking God for this, aspiration? So take um, about five minutes to, to, to create your own prayer in your mind, petition, aspiration. Who is the God you're calling on? What does this God do? What do you need God to do in your life now? And how should this be done? Beautiful and loving creator that formed each and every one of us in our mother's womb, be with us this day and in this week. Help us to stay attuned to the needs of our neighbors, both in the seats next to us and out of arm's reach, so that we may be that comforting and encouraging presence in a world that is constantly threatened by darkness. In the name of Jesus Christ, our teacher and our savior. Amen. Thank you.